Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He's Walter Flackus, and he's next. And now, from the legendary Studio B, so you're in Seattle with Gregor. There's probably some adage here to be like, things change, and we have to accept the change as it comes, otherwise we live a life full of burden, or something like whatever that crap is. But for real, when we make changes to our lives, it can add an extra amount of stress. I can't stress enough how exciting it is to have Walter join us. Walt, as he's going on the air, because he's been the nicest dude and the easiest transition. Meeting this guy immediately felt like an old pair of pants. Well, I'm sorry that I just compared you to pants, Walter. Walt, say, say his name right, Gregor. Walt! <laughs> He's a real joy. He's got a great backstory. I beat around the bush with it, but he was in a kick-ass band. Still is in a kick-ass band, and we're going to learn all about it now. Not just radio, but both sides of the business. My pleasure to welcome Walt to So You're in Seattle. Hi, welcome to the end. Uh, it's good to be here. Yeah, <laughs> it's good to, good to have you here. Someone uh, to have someone new around is always exciting. <laughs> a new to, a new body to kick. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe poke. <laughs> We're not a kick yet. I saved that for karate, adult karate. Right. Um, uh, moved here from Chicago. That's new, but you've been here a bunch before. You've yep. Got a girlfriend that lives here. Yep. So you're familiar with Seattle. So it's not like you're just wandering in off the street. Exactly. Okay. So that's okay. I've been coming here for years because I, I've been in a band, yeah. I'm in a band, so on tour, stop by. I've experienced this city for the past twenty plus years, yeah. And um, I've always felt a connection here. And I've actually tried to get a job at the end in the past. Oh man! And uh, you know, things just haven't panned out until this time, and everything just lined up, and it's been great. That's super cool. Uh, you came here from Chicago, right? That's a big fun city. It's, it's you know, uh, Chicago is one of those places. I, I I agree. First, it's a great city. Yeah. Um, when when I lived there originally, the band came out of Chicago, and we had some success on our second album, so we all moved to Los Angeles. And then I would go back and see Chicago like I see any other city. Oh my God, what a great city it is. Yeah. And then to finally be able to go back there and and live and work for the past 10 years, fantastic. And I, and I told myself I will never take it for granted again because it is such a great city. But... Seattle is a really great city too, and there's a you know it's got a lot to offer. So I'm excited to explore some new territory here. The Great City Club is not exclusive to one city alone. No, no but there's not that many. I mean, I mean, look, you can find cool things about just about any place, but um, there are some that really rise to the top. Chicago, Seattle. I like Austin, Texas. I've never been to Austin. Pretty cool place. I mean, unless you go by uh, during South by Southwest, because then it's a little. You know, b- bananas. But if you go yeah. when it's not, it's laid back, lazy, and they love music, so it's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, um, we'll get to the band thing here in a little while because sure. that's really fascinating. But we'll tease people along a little right. bit. Uh, where are you from? Originally from Illinois, 
uh, small town, Western Illinois University is there. It's called Macomb, Illinois, middle cornfields, 20,000 people. Parents were from Chicago, so I would end up going there a lot for vacations and whatnot. Sure. Um, so I always had, and my dad was a university professor, so I always had that culture oh. and whatnot. But, um, you know, uh, small, small town. And that's actually where I met my best friend, Christopher, who is in the band. And we actually came out of this really small town and migrated to Chicago. So it's pretty, pretty fascinating that a band, you know, that would get signed to a major record label would come from such a tiny place in the middle of the corner. That's how it happens, though, right? Like, it's, uh, I feel like. Most I, people aren't born in the big city. They go there. It's like I, a magnet. That's true. That's that's true. Uh, yeah. I'm, Kurt Cobain down in Aberdeen is not exactly the mecca of <laughs> rock and roll. Perhaps he made it that way or whatever. But like, yeah, it, it is now. It was about coming to Olympia first and then really latching on to Seattle there that made that possible. So, so that's cool. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it was always you know the thing when we get got past college, we would make it go to the city and, yeah. and do our our thing there, which really wasn't all that much better than it was in Macomb. <laughs> Uh, but we ended up getting well. You, like fun. I was just reading about uh, Boney Vare, Justin Vernon, or whatever his name is, yeah. the, guy, the artist behind Boney Vare, and he like lives in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, just uh, the amount of land you could get and the peace you could have, and then just go to the city when you want to. But it's super appropriate for him and his music, yeah. though, isn't it? <laughs> it's I so mean, sparse when you, and, yeah. when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, in this day and age. Um, where you can be in in your bedroom anywhere in the world and yeah. record, and then through the internet send it. So I mean, you really don't need to be in a centralized metropolitan area anymore. It's crazy when bands record parts in different places and then bring them together. I think there's something to be said for being in a room together and for having sure. to get through the tension that that causes or the the wonder that that can spark. For sure, uh, doing that right now with uh, we're making a Dropbox record, <laughs> and uh, it, it's kind of bizarre because it's like here's my part, and then a week later you get a response to that. It's like, wouldn't it be great if you could be in the same room and go like, no, nah, I don't like that, and then you know forge out something that you do like together. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a little challenging, but it yeah. can be done. Now uh, I have very little Illinois knowledge, but my mother is from Moline. Okay, and so Quad Cities, Quad Cities, which is about mm, seventy miles north of Macomb. Okay, so I've been to there once. I remember <laughs> one specific thing about it um, was the lightning bugs, something that I've never seen anywhere else that I live. Wait. There's no lightning bugs here. No, no lightning bugs here. All right, no. so yeah, it's been been, <laughs> well, been great. And, thanks for coming uh, to the pod. <laughs> Five and a half minutes, we did it. <laughs> wow. No, yeah, they're uh, everywhere you know, in the early summertime. They come out around you know dusk, and there they are floating around. It's pretty bizarre. And when you're kids, you're horrible. Yeah, you, you catch them, you smash them. They. If I smash enough, I can make a paint that'll turn me into glowing. <laughs> That's it. If I eat enough of them, I'll become a lightning bug. Oh. <laughs> Gross. Gross. Yeah, so like that, I don't know, there's like that Midwestern living that I experienced just a little bit casually, but never got um, that middle America feel to things. Always West Coast, always cooked by the sun, always uh, the the scourge of the East Coasters or whatever. I don't know. Or yeah, the Midwest. Uh, you know, Midwest. I mean, every every territory has definitely got its own way of living. Um, but Spotify and whatever else is kind of like uh, it started with iHeart or uh, Clear Channel at the time. They really homogenized our country into like culturally, you one. see mainstream stuff. Like, there's not room for all these pockets as much as there used to be. That's true. That's true. Everybody, everybody, you know, does. We're a bunch of lemmings. <laughs> <laughs> everybody looks at what other people do and. Because we can now, because of the of the internet, 
you know, back in the day. Back in the day. Back in my day. <laughs> it was a much simpler time. You just would read the local newspaper, and that's what was going on in your world. But that's it's crazy to think that. Like the photos when we were kids are sparse because you had photos. to take them. You mean like things that you actually hold? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. They now don't. my kids, every fourth second of his life is documented. I get I get five photos a day from daycare of what he's up to, <laughs> like let alone. Right. I know when you look back at your old photos growing up, they're so special. They're like, oh, what a moment. Now everything is a moment, and there's so many of them that they're not special anymore. And now the machine is reminding me, a year ago, this moment <laughs> happened, remember? I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What strange band was I looking at then? Because every, every, every time that comes up, it seems to be some band, and I have no recollection as to who that actually is because it's so far away. It's crazy. We just had summer camp, the ENDS local festival that we do at, at once a summer, and um, I looked back at last year's, and I'm like, no idea who that band is. <laughs> One year later, it's I nuts. can't remember. It's crazy. I only know them for a hook for a minute, and then that's that. We, you know, like somebody like me, who is you know involved in the music for a radio station, I end up seeing so many bands, yeah. which I love. Sure, um, it's the thing I miss most about doing mornings is that I can't. You can't go out and. I used to love just like stumbling. A, I saw, not to get into the show off of who's who's seen whatever, but I saw Imagine Dragons when they were playing the crocodile a 250 person venue just because a record rep was in town but he wasn't working and he's like just come see this band with me you'll you'll like it right and they blew my mind in right. this tiny little venue they've blown up to be kind of more generic than you know and to what they do for the format is awesome but right. uh, they've taken on a new life but to see them i would never have thought that like oh my god imagine dragons were so cool xyz and that's the thing it's like when given these opportunities to check out uh, smaller, unknown, up-and-coming bands in new, small venues. Man, it's so exciting. I saw Catfish in the Bottleman yeah. play a 250-seat venue yeah. in Chicago. There may have been 70 people there, and Van, the, the singer, talked more than he actually played songs, brought people on stage, very uncomfortable. The whole thing was weird, but when they played their songs, it was like, man, this is really, really great. Saw them the next time through, same place, sold it out, and now they're going to play a uh, 4,500-seat venue. Untouchable. Uh, in uh, Chicago. And, and they are on top of their... They're such a great live yeah. rock band now. It's amazing. So it's fun to see these bands at the beginning stage. Well, and then, like, uh, counterexample, I saw Arctic Monkeys play, and Alex Turner was so wasted, and mm. the band was a disaster, and it was an awful show at the Showbox, which is an amazing venue here. Right. Awful show, and I was like, "Oh man!" It was on their second album. I couldn't I was wait. Ask like, yeah, what record cycle that was. Yeah, yeah, second or third, I can't remember. But like, they played a few songs where I was like, "Yeah, oh, this is awful." And then like, I had, I like lost all confidence in them and stopped consuming their material because of it. I was going to ask, so it affected your yeah. your uh, connotation of the, or per- perception of them. Yeah, and then but then you see someone else that's just like mind-bogglingly good that you don't have any expectation for. I like when a band that you want to be good is good too, like a band of horses here is like a really, right. that's really nice. Now, it's great when you are absolutely surprised. You're like, holy crap, I didn't expect that to be anything great, but that blew my mind. What's your, the venue you'll miss most from Chicago? Hmm, good question. Um, The Metro. Yeah, it's a sweet. Metro's a, a, it's, I don't know, how big is the Showbox? Showbox is, I want to say, 50, 1,500? Okay, Metro's 1,100. Yeah, um, yeah, it's the same. I mean, it's the same. But it's it's everybody's played there coming through Chicago. It's been around since the mid-early 80s. Um, Have you been to the Showbox yet? Uh, I played it back in the day. <laughs> Look at that. Um, 
It's the it's the venue when a band that I am interested in when they say they're playing the show box, it immediately raises my interest level. Same thing with the Metro. My brother lived around the corner, so like they would uh, I'd go visit him. And if there was a band playing, Tortoise was playing. They canceled the day I was supposed to see them. I'm so <laughs> mad. I went to Chicago for that. Really, just for that? Yeah, just I mean to see my brother, but like I was like I'll time yeah, I see it. my brother too. But uh, Tortoise is playing. Yeah, awesome Chicago noise band. Yeah. Not noise, but an instrumental band. That's like really cool. But anyway. Yeah, um, Metro's has so much history and has been good to me personally and the band that you know just so much, so many memories there. That I'm gonna miss that one the most. But yeah, always get back. Time, time to make some new ones. Yeah, exactly. There's a you'll find that there's the I've lived in Las Vegas and the venues there are the best. It's incredible how good they all sound because they're competing for sure. entertainment. And they spend a zillion dollars and like so they have all these beautifully sounding venues. I'm glad you said sounding because yeah. I, to me, soulless. How, right? How much vibe is is there? How much how much soul does a building have? Yeah. Uh, when they get yeah, because like like everything else, when you're in Vegas, you walk into a giant casino before you get to the movie theater, the bowling alley, the restaurant, which is just a facade that it's not part of the right. casino floor. Right. Same with these, like the House of Blues, like I, House, House of Blues, of Mandalay Bay, yeah. and uh, the joint in the Hard Rock or whatever it is now. It's yeah. Like, um, yeah. It's like they're, they're they might as well be high school auditoriums. Yeah, but then they invest all this money to make them sound awesome. Right. And so as a as a music fan, man, it's so great to see. And the bands are getting handsomely paid. So like lots of times that's, they'll, they'll that's bring true. it. Like that's it's, that's uh, true. Uh, but it's also where you know all the sin happens. So <laughs> people maybe <laughs> indulge a little too much. Okay, so when did you first move to Chicago? Uh, first moved to Chicago uh, after college. And uh, so that's the end of the 80s. Okay. And uh, like I said, uh, then I started moving around because I was in radio at the time. Cool. Where'd you start in radio? Uh, uh, first, well, for the actual, it, the you want the honest to God truth? Yeah. The honest, uh, outside of college radio was uh, KBKB in Fort Madison, Iowa, which was a top 40 station playing 45 records. Wow. It was uh, my very first job. And I would have to drive 40 minutes to get to this job yeah, yeah. because there weren't any real radio jobs in Macomb. So I'd have to go do that. And then I moved to Galesburg where I kind of did the same thing, only we used carts. <laughs> and then um, and then I did an internship in Chicago and befriended the program director at the Top 40 station I was interning at. And he brought me back to be a morning show producer. I was horrible at it. <laughs> um, but I did it for 10 months or something like that. And then I also had a part-time job at a pretty pr- – prominent station in Rockford so I lived in between and I would just I've always driven my entire life and I'm and right now I just took a bus it took me 20 minutes and I'm loving life because um, I'm not driving um, what, where did you, you're in West Seattle yeah yeah it's so awesome to just be able to hop on a bus and get it's, here it's so nice uh, in Chicago tangent tangent now yeah. but um, uh, I was driving an hour and a half in the morning to commute to get to the station. And, and that's not your time anymore. You can put on a podcast. You can listen to the radio station you work for because that's what we all do when we're in the car, right? Sure. Or you can put on a podcast or an audio book or something like that, but it's not your time. You're still focused and stressed. Right. It is still stressful. And uh, I am I'm, I have an extra hour a day. It's yeah. amazing Isn't here. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you take a bus and someone else commutes you to where right. you're going. You can look right. at your phone the whole time if you it's want. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, so then uh, I was ended up in Peoria, Illinois doing nights at a top 40 station and everybody in the band said, all right, we're all quitting our jobs and we're going to apply ourselves to the band. Let's are go. you in or are you out? And I'm like, I started this thing. I am the band. Let's talk about the band. <laughs> we'll get back to radio here in a second. But the band that you started in what year? 
in the eighties. In the eighties, uh, sequencing is that what you were doing or? Well, uh, well, it was a, keyboards mm-hmm. and programming sequencing. Yeah. Okay. Stabbing Westward is the band. It yes. was a for me as a teenager in the nineties. Stabbing Westward came at the exact right time. It was heavy, but it was melodic. It was. Uh, synth forward but it was like intense still it was like exactly what 14 year old me needed to hear at the time you're welcome um, thank you that's, that's what i'm trying to do is a huge <laughs> thanks for that um but i don't know the story of the band at all well uh it's christopher and i met at summer band camp when we were in high school like marching band he played trumpet. No, yeah. it was concert band camp. Okay. So he played trumpet. I played percussion. It's a week. It was at the university in my town. So he migrated from his even smaller town a half hour away. Wow. And we uh, we were both chasing the same girl that week. Um, <laughs> neither of us got her. Okay. But we ended up being best friends. And here we are all these years later. Have you stayed friends the whole time? Uh, we, there's been a few years of falling out. Sure. Um, but... Uh, but we so we started bands and you know it's gone through went through many different intonations and and uh, or incarnations and and eventually we landed on uh, stabbing westward which was uh, we were very influenced by the wax tracks industrial scene from Chicago but we always but also Depeche Mode which is a more melodic and so it was always a matter of being more melodic but always had that uh, Chicago industrial thing going on. What are some on. of the Chicago industrial bands that have been big um, over the time? Well uh, Ministry is probably probably the biggest. Nine Inch Nails not a wax tracks band but in the same field and definitely pushed the let's be melodic and write good songs and then that you know leads to things like Lincoln Park so like it's all part of that that crew um, front 242 would be a skinny puppy these are deeper darker um, industrial things cool um, but uh, when we moved to Chicago we ended up pulling more people into the band uh, guitars uh, and and a live bass player and a live drummer and it morphed into being more of uh, of, a, of a rock band, we would do shows opening up for the Pumpkins. Cool. Um, in in like a five hundred seat venue. We're talking Chicago. like Gish Pumpkins, like uh, pre Gish. Wow. Um, and they were pulling five hundred people before Gish. That's amazing. Um, they did they did this most the most amazing cover of Do You Hear What I Hear uh, at a Christmas show that we did together. It was it was amazing. They had Christmas lights on their amps, and it was so heavy the way they did it. It was great. Um, but uh, we ended up. Putting together the the right formula of people, and uh, we concentrated on recording a really great demo that was melodic and had had songs with hooks, but still had the aggressive beat. And I think the timing was just right because Nine Inch Nails was breaking, and record labels were looking for their own version. And lo and behold, here we came, and I guess we didn't suck. So uh, <laughs> Columbia Records said, "All right, we'll take that." And that's really interesting. You say that though because Nine Inch Nails for me, I was um, I I was not sold on Nine Inch Nails. I liked heavy guitar and I didn't like synthesizers and stuff like that at the time when they were blowing up. And I thought he was being weird for the sake of being weird. And so a you like touched on it there. A band that was like let's let's focus on making some good songs with like the right elements. Right. Nine Inch Nails kind of paved the way for me to be like eh. And then a band like yours came along where I could be like, yes, I can like I can access this. Well, again, uh, you kind of touched on it when you were talking about how it spoke to you as a as a teenager. Um, it's the balance it, for us. It's always the balance between organic and electronic, mm-hmm. and 
it had to be right. And I think we got it right yeah. on, on on the majority of our records. I agree. Um, whereas, you know, Trent and Nine Inch Nails always had guitars, but they were always a little bit more processed maybe and a little heavier on the programming synth side of things. Yeah. We were kind of straight down the middle. It had to be equal and still have melody and you could still be able to sing along with it. And the other thing is I think Christopher writes really amazing lyrics that really speak to people because of real life experiences that are shared experiences. And I think that that's a, a big part of the success. It's funny. I'm like totally oral like i'm not like i don't the lyrics rarely it takes me years of listening Mo- before I get most there. guys are like that yeah. too uh, I, I am definitely like that i definitely listen to beats and and grooves and, and bass lines and chord changes all that oh there's somebody singing ah let me listen to what they're saying i mean the singer's an instument then at that right, point right um, but i do have a pet peeve and mr resner does this a lot where he just repeats the same thing over and over i do too and i'm like uh i'm like that's yeah too. no Come offense on. trent i know you're a big listener but uh i think it's lazy yeah no <laughs> I, I, you know, and there's times, especially on our first record, where I was like, "Yeah, come on, can we can we say something else?" Yeah. So, um, and and we've done a better job of that as time has gone on. But okay, so you're in Peoria. <laughs> it's like yeah, you got to you got to uh, quit your job, bro. Driving driving to Chicago to do work on the demos and all of this kind of stuff, and everybody's like, "Are you going to quit or not?" I'm like, "Okay, I guess I can always get back into radio." So sure. I quit and probably only out for a month and a half, two months until uh, we actually got the Columbia deal. So it wasn't super scary, but I did give up, you know, a cushy life doing this. At least to, you were young. You yeah. know, and, and that's and, the thing. I, yeah. I was still super young, so I was able to uh, to do that. And it, look, the, the gamble paid off. Um, Ten years of of professionally being in the band, doing that solely and touring, getting to see the world. Um, yeah, how much of the world have you seen in, a, in that band? Well, not as much as I'd like. and never made it to Japan or anything. Made it to Australia on the very last tour we ever did, <laughs> opening up for live, and that was fantastic. Oh, I don't see that as a as a bill. That's crazy. It's weird. Well, you have to realize that our last record, um, we got steered off the, the path we had forged, and it was a, a more... It was a lighter sounding record and um, more uh, alternative radio friendly, but yet yeah. we kind of lost our fan base. So it, it the wheels started to come off at that point. Um, but it's we, we st- at that point we still meant something. We did the first record cycle for Ungod, the first record. We opened up for Depeche Mode, which was like a huge, huge win for us. We did. Uh, it was <laughs> you think <laughs> the summer uh, the Songs of Faith and Devotion tour, but the second go around where they were playing outdoor amphitheaters yeah. and um, this was the summer of 94 and we got we were first then it was Primal Scream then Depeche Mode and apparently Dave Gahan picked Primal Scream, Scream uh, Martin Gore picked us and great and it was a fantastic tour uh, unfortunately the band kind of imploded Alan Wilder, Wilder left the band Dave was a, a mess and had to go get himself clean and when they came back together and did their next tour four years later, we actually meant something. And so we, our name got raised, and they're like, yeah, all right, they actually mean something. Let's go out. And so we did two consecutive North American tours with Depeche Mode Holy four cow. years apart. If, so you guys pals now? Like do you, I don't know. I would say pals, but really, really, uh, I did go to Martin Gore's wedding reception. So there you go. Yeah, like it's <laughs> I don't, like I don't know if that's a thing. No, but I mean, it's just, it's it's so easy to put, 
human beings into this role to dress them up and say, this is what you are, and then get far down the road and realize, like, oh, actually, we're kind of friends now because we've been through a lot together, regardless if it yeah, stays I, that way. I mean, you, you become peers, which is kind of bizarre. When That's you a think, good word for it. When you think about it. Um, you know, if we were – I've been in the same room with – uh, you know, and, and and Depeche is still such a much more a giant band than we ever were. And I've been sitting across a picnic table from the dude, and I'm like, I'm not going to be. Hey, remember me? I, I, it's just not. I don't. I, I don't care that much. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't strike me as the guy that's like trying to. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> prove if, if he's just like, don't I know you? I'm like, yeah. Well, we actually, but otherwise, I'm. Just, I'm not going to. I don't need to flex any muscle. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> it's fine. I had my time with them. Wow, that's so like living in Chicago. I'm fast forwarding a little bit here, but like as recently as a month ago, do you ever uh, have any uh, interaction with Billy Corgan? Like, yeah, is there a relationship um, well, there? Because from way back in the day, but then now he. I mean, uh, every time our paths cross, there's there's like, oh yeah, we grew up together and and cordial and and nice and i i've seen him a couple of times in the past three four years um actually at the radio station i was at in chicago we brought pumpkins in to our performance space mm-hmm. which was something that they hadn't done a lot of yeah yeah and uh so it was uh you know james and billy and actually the, the entire band that's touring right now which by the way if you haven't seen pumpkins in this current incarnation great yeah they came through and i didn't go because um right well, one of the what one of the best sounding pumpkin shows I've seen um, in years. So uh, really awesome to have them here. And then I interviewed them as we do with the, those performances, and it, it was fantastic. So um, and then I went to the show at the big arena in Chicago, and I was front and center. I'm like, who gave me front row tickets? This is ridiculous because I look around and everybody's looking at me. I'm like, I don't want to be in the front row. <laughs> but but still, that's cool. Yeah, that's- you know what was cool about it is that I didn't get distracted by anything. I was actually like watching them switch guitar and the kind of pedals where they use using. I got really nerdy watching uh, watching from the front row. It's crazy. My um, my brother was living in Chicago at the time as well when you're talking about small pumpkins. And mm-hmm. so when they blew up in the early 90s, he was like, I used to watch this band in bars. Yeah. Like, they were just a band, but they were. The, there was always something special about right, them. Right? Because you watch that old footage of it. Yeah, YouTube's it, a wonderful that's, thing. That's, but, the, that's the thing. You can tell. Um, you can tell when bands have like like when you saw Imagine Dragons at the Croc. Yeah, you know it's like you can tell when a band has some magic and some chemistry and has a has potential. And those are the those are the things that you want to go see. And, God, and I go back and listen to Gish, and it's like it's. You listen to Siamese Dream, and it feels like it's really assembled to me. It's, there's great songs on there. Sure, not my favorite record, but there's like great songs that they put together. Gish on is there. pure. I think I think first oh. first records are pure because you have your whole I mean the, the saying is you have your whole life to write your first record yeah. and then six months to do your second it's true um, but first records are pretty honest to who you conceive yourself to be as a band and boy does it not pull back it like it's just straight ahead the whole time and right. I, I I can't imagine a living in a world where a five and a half minute song with guitar solos exists also because of what we've become <laughs> in the know, music right? world. But like, there it is. Like he launches into a long ass hammer on guitar solo. Nice. And I'm like, wow. And, and melodic. Yeah. And, and people can't, even if the landscape allowed for that to still be a thing, he still has magic. That yeah. I don't know if he's 
been in touch with it in you know in a while, but like at that time, there was still something that was like that came out of that guy that was incredible. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. It's crazy to be on to share a stage with them um, and not because uh, at it was that level, a yeah. festival. <laughs> right. It was just right. Like, on right. purpose. I've shared the stage with a lot of people, um, like you know, big names, but on a small token level, like like Pumpkins back back then before Gish came out. Yeah, sorry to talk about other bands when we're fine. talking about your story, but it's just fascinating to color in the, the yeah. details about that. Okay, so you did a 10-year run in Stabbing Westward? Yep, and then, as I said, the last record, we kind of got steered in a direction that wasn't really true to our fan base, and you could tell that things were starting to go on the decline. And Was that inevitable, or was it... I think it's, I think it's mis- inevitable with most bands, unless you're the Rolling Stones. Especially today, man. <laughs> yeah, right? Um but uh, it, it was one of those where we just did not want to be that band that just keeps running into the wall, running into the wall, and just failing more and more every time. So yeah. we're like, let's cut it right now. We can see this is – we're lost. And um, then I'm like, I'm going to go right back into radio. Christopher was like, let's start another band. Let's, we can do this the way we wanted to originally. I'm like, uh-uh. I'm I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go do something stable for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you chose radio. I chose radio. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made I moved from Los Angeles, California, to Albany, New York. Wow. <laughs> In December. <laughs> it was April, but still, it was it was it was a culture shock of a move that uh, is. I'm a better man for it. Do you think any doors in radio open for you because of your experience? Well, that's that's why I went to Albany, to yeah. be honest with you, because you know I went to uh, the Edge in Phoenix for a minute to uh, spend a week. When was that? 2002. Wow. And because I was friends with Dead Air Dave and yeah. Nancy Stevens, and so they're like, "Well, why don't you just come here, hang out for a week?" Hang on the morning show. Maybe we can get you some hours, you know, filling in in the midday. And I got fresh demo material so yeah, I could yeah, like yeah. shop. Uh, and, um, and I like, but I don't want to be the celebrity DJ. And by going to Albany, I was really given the opportunity to be a night guy and the music director and forge, uh, you know, my image as to who I am and, 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 make my name there in a real market, not yeah. too far away from New York City. A lot of the record reps would work uh, Albany from New York. And it it worked because I was able to really make a name for myself in the radio world at that market. And after about a year and a half, I, uh, I ended up in, at XM. Oh, cool. And so then I did that. Because that's when that was years. blowing up, right? It was like like the second wave. So I think XM started in 2001, and I went there in 2003. And so um, it was kind of like the second wave of, of people, or the first wave of new people coming in after the originals. Sure, yeah. Um, and, but it was still fresh. It was like, you know, we're not FM radio. We're doing everything differently. So we don't think like that. Fascinating time, and and I really, really believed in what we were doing. But then, um, I was I was doing well there. And Wait, well, real quick uh, before you uh, jump, uh, the XM thing. What a precursor to what the world looks like today. What an interesting insight into being like, no, 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 we're gonna throw out the old rules and kind of do it. Now we have YouTube stars, right? That follow. You know, like the same ideals of stardom, but with a totally different avenue. That's kind of really, 
for me, it's fascinating that you would go somewhere like that that was throwing the rule book out and taking a huge chance on investors' money. <laughs> well, but I, but it it was music centric. It was yeah. like they they were about. Uh, there were there were left there were no rules you could play stuff so I, I went there originally to do uh, classic alternative they had a, a channel called Fred and I'm like well this is I can pull from all the stuff I played in college and all the old stuff and so I have I'm well versed in this and then that migrated into um, working on the contemporary which was called Ethel and I would pull and this was like 2004 I would play things like Block Party and Franz Ferdinand and Arcade Fire alongside. <laughs> Foo Fighters and Green Day, and so you could bring people along. So I don't know this, I'm unfamiliar, but oh, but here's something that I do know and I feel comfortable, and then you can kind of like take them on a journey and expose them to new things. And uh, alternative music was starting to get new legs. Um, we had just gone through, you know, Limp Biscuit and Train, and those types of corn that was Ugh, considered good, to be good alternative at, at, in the early 2000s. So to get Franz Ferdinand and Block Party and uh, these bands that kind of sounded like Gang of Four or just had a, a new energy about them uh, was pretty exciting times to uh, to be here and do that. So I would I would do that and uh, a gentleman named Cliff Bernstein who is one half of Q Prime Management mm-hmm. who manages the Chili Peppers, Muse, uh, Metallica, so many giant bands. Baroness. Baroness. Um, <laughs> I'm a nerd they, uh, uh, Cliff would, would listen and he heard what I was doing and he said, I-, I want you to come work for us. I like what I hear and I want your ears to be a part of Q Prime. How cool. So, In what capacity? Management or a and it, uh, it was in an A&R capacity. And that's where A&R effectively is seeking new uh, right artist Artist repertoire. So you, uh, you search out new talent and help guide them to make the best records that they can um, with the best songs. Um, so the, the the premise was that I would go work in New York for Q Prime and we would start a record label, boutique record label, but we didn't want to be a cookie cutter like every everything else. So it was a matter of trying to find interesting bands that excited us, excited Cliff. And I found two. <laughs> uh, we called the label Grunion. Um, after the fish that spawns itself and uh, found these two records the first band was a band called Mohair that I found out of the UK that was super English sounding if you're familiar with the Fratellis and they had that song Chelsea Dagger that's big in Chicago because they played it when the Hawks uh, score a goal oh yeah that'll do it Um, just very English sounding and they were amazing players and so we put out their uh, their first record and started working on a second record but they're such good this is kind of a curse that they were such good players that they kind of lost their way as to who their identity is to who they were they're like right, here's our new wave song here's our reggae song and it's just like guys 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 back square one um, but I, I and if they're listening I love them of course yeah it's uh, not- but um, and they gave me like 18 songs so we were never able to get to the second record there the other one was a band from uh, Madison Wisconsin called Rainer Maria that had a, a big past as a indie band but they wrote this amazing record called Catastrophe Keeps Us Together and um, we put that out and put them on the road and they toured with a band called The Format which later became Fun and did Lollapalooza but then they broke up and so that was done and and at that point they're like alright well how about you work with producers and so then I did daily management for producers worked with Rich Costi who produced Muse and Death Cab and wow. stuff like that and then a guy named David Bendeth who did the 
Paramore record, Riot, really big record. And um, so then I was doing budgets and seeing how, I, so I've seen this business from so many different sides. It's really fascinating. I see how all of these parts kind of work together. That's crazy. As soon as you said you've seen the budgets and stuff, I think Chicago, and then I go Albini being uh, right? old grump. You ever had any encounters with None. producer Steve Albini? None, because I'm a programming synth guy. Oh, that's right. You're not. <laughs> You're not am, building I, your own amplifier and I'm, playing dirty guitar I'm through evil. it? evil. That's crazy. He recorded a Neurosis record, which is like a kind of like a doom band that I really like, and um, they got him to slave it to Dat. Really? Yeah, they said that like, they like really just kept poking at him over the course it. of like five days and finally he was like fine I'll record it to Dat god damn it so he could go back and put synth and back in San Francisco when they got home or um, Oakland or whatever I mean I bet that I bet he loved that and so they've gone back and recorded with him since or really? whatever yeah yeah they're like they're pals now or whatever I was always it was funny that somebody got Albini somebody got him yeah because that, that was his thing forever was like you know no this is it's pure as can be I mean like he didn't produce in utero he recorded it yeah he's a recording engineer he's using math to put microphones in the right spot and yeah. stuff which is fantastic talent though I mean an incredible person uh his talent is unrivaled. We had a Chicago band, um, Rise Against. Yep. <laughs> Here we were volunteering at a food bank for a day or whatever, and Tim from Rise Against walks in, and I'm wearing a shellac shirt. Oh. And he, like, right. all bets are off. He, like, walks straight up to me and goes, is that a shellac shirt? Shellac shirt? And I was like, yep. And he's like, cool, I'm Tim. <laughs> and I was like... He's he's like that. Great. What a great group of guys. Those what are. a great group of guys. 100%. I mean, great band, but man, they are real, genuine people who still live... I actually lived in the same suburb as... Uh, one of the guys in the band, Downers Grove, and he's a family man, and he was like, if you need a plumber, check this guy out. It was <laughs> fantastic. I love them. That's, again, that's like back to the point when you like meet somebody and you see them as a peer rather than, than a performer. Uh, yeah, somebody on a pedestal. Yeah, which is so crazy. Um, there's so many great Chicago bands. I'm just trying to think. All, all that keeps coming to mind is Russian Circles, which is like a small nobody Chicago band yeah, that's I like... I think I know those guys. It's a, it's, it doesn't matter. They're, uh, one of the guys played bass in another band here I won't be able to remember it my friend at t-shirts not coming to me <laughs> right, it doesn't matter but uh, there's been so many big Chicago bands how many of them have you seen when they were little and you're because how long were you back in Chicago for well, uh, so then uh, well, yeah, let's get from, uh, from so, uh, so I was at Q Prime yeah. and then that kind of ran its course um, they kind of restructured they brought in uh, another guy who was a, a real A&R guy uh they started mom and pop records, came out of a, a joint deal with Q Prime. So um, things went by the wayside, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back to Chicago. And then I went to, uh, I actually, I went to work on the alternative station there, but they actually needed help on the classic rock station, The Loop, which is a, a heritage classic sure. brand. Um, I did that for two years, which was good because a new owner came in and they actually blew up Q101, which was the heritage alternative station Q101, the alternative radio station with the best logo of all the time. best logo because it was based on the nin logo the nine inch nails logo so cool it worked so well it just was so clean just in a box yep um yeah but, sorry to anyone who's listening to this that just has to hear us nerd out about things and i'm not giving any explanation whatsoever <laughs> look it up um but uh because i was on the loop at the time my job was safe and then about 10 months after that we the new company we brought alternative back on a new frequency um and they realized that it was kind of my wheelhouse. And so I've been a part of rebuilding alternative radio in Chicago for the past eight years or so. Okay. So So I was there for the for nine and a half. So for who the past nine and a half. 
who have we seen come out of Chicago in that time that maybe you got a chance to to see it kind of happen? Like Rise Against. I mean, they've been big Rise, for a while. Rise now, Against but was before before that. Um, I'm trying to think of if, if anything's popping from Chicago right now or where everyone's coming from because I feel like Seattle doesn't have a ton of big names coming out right now. Um, there was these moments where you got the Fleet Foxes and stuff like that that were happening, but like you haven't had a big impact band in a while, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't. Someone's gonna be like, "There's like an obvious I know, one that I I'm know, missing." I know, and like, I'm like, add your comments below. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that uh, I, th- I think of things like K. Flay, who grew up in a suburb of Chicago, uh, moved to San Francisco. Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that about her. Yeah. There was something that screamed um, approachable, and yep. it's like it's that Midwest. She yeah, she grew up in a, a northern uh, Chicago suburb, but then moved to go to Stanford. Stanford. I was. Yeah, sure, that's yeah, there. Yeah, uh, and so, uh, and now when she comes back to Chicago, it's still kind of like a hometown thing. And I saw her at this two hundred seat, uh, two hundred fifty seat venue, sold out. I and it was a record person, same thing, going like, "You got to come check out this band." And I kind of like the song, but when I saw it live, I'm like, mind blown. Yeah. love her, and we've been co- we've become friends. And every time she comes around, I go say hi check her out and we played her songs on the radio just a big big fan um you really so, mess her up when she comes here and you're here and you're like hi shh, shh don't tell her <laughs> everyone don't off tell the her. twitter <laughs> let's see if she really knows who i am I'm trying to figure out where are bands coming out of right now like yeah where's the hot spot um i feel like i don't know it's always la there's always yeah always yeah i mean that yeah. yeah half alive out of la uh, lovely the band out of la i mean yeah can't put my uh, thumb on it. Like Ohio, <laughs> I'm just thinking. Like, Walk the moon, having just been here. You know, like, a, 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 an interesting person coming out of Chicago is Chance the Rapper. Oh yeah, who uh, who actually after years of of being able to headline festivals blows my mind. Uh, suddenly, just put out his first album. First album, <laughs> you know, like he's, he's he's almost a household name. Like I think about my old man wouldn't know who he is, but right. like he's just right there. He's done. He's done so many mixtapes that he's just built a name for himself. But the thing about him is his philanthropy is like unbelievable. He has given so much to the Chicago public school system that wow. uh, you can't not love who he is as a person. Yeah. And and it, you know, and then he just did this track with Ben and Death Cab, and it's just you know, it's pretty funny to see Gibbard running around here. Like you'll be out and you'll see him at something. It's like very like, really, yeah. yeah those, all those guys are just like. And same with the Pearl Jam guys. They're just like I ran into uh, McCready at um, Whole Foods. <laughs> just like right. randomly, like I scared the crap out of him. And it was like a. I had just, a, I had a great conversation with him when I was at XM. We talked for an hour, just all about nerdy guitar stuff that we yeah. listened to growing up. Um, I just saw Nick from Death Cab at yeah. Lollapalooza and told him I was coming up here. And so it's like, yeah, it's 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 great. I love, and that's that's one of the things that I love about coming from Chicago to Seattle is because it is a music town and I obviously am a music guy and I appreciate the history here and I want to be surrounded by by that that vibe. It's a very neighborhoody city in Chicago and Chicago and yeah, Seattle yeah. and I I just there's so many things that equate that I, this is the perfect fit for me. I just It really is similar. It's, yeah. that's very interesting. I wonder if it's the types of immigrants that came here like back that founded these places. I don't know, there's a lot of Polish restaurants around he- here in Seattle that I've stumbled upon, so maybe. For real? I seems like seems like there's a few that I've passed more than I've seen in Chicago, which wow. is really Polish. Um, what are you gonna miss from Chicago? Now Pizza. That you're here? Yeah. That's an easy one. Yeah, 
Um, what's the what's the hot beef? The um, oh, Ita- uh, Italian beef. Italian beef. Whether yeah, it's was from, a and like the yeah, oh yeah, uh, Portillos or yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, man. I like look forward to that when I go to Chicago. My yeah. my family. Knows I, what's the, up. My last week, I, I did plenty of uh, Lou Malnati's pizza. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Portillos. I have a former friend. She unfriended me on Facebook. I'm not sure why. Sore subject. But she used to. Her parents for all the holidays would always send a Lou Mal- Malnati's pizza to her. The they'd send them out it's a, it's a boxed gift. and frozen, and yep. like get a deep dish pizza in the mail. That's a great gift. Oh goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're going to do afternoons on the end? I'm going to be here in the afternoon starting next week. And you're going to deal with people who are bringing in new music? Yep. And you're going to be dropping the the hammer on people who don't bring in the best new music. Bring the good stuff because that's what we want to deliver to the fantastic listeners of the end. What are you excited about in Seattle? All of it. Uh, makes you know what? I'm actually excited to uh, get out and and see some of the environment yeah. that is offered here because Chicago is flat as can be and there's nothing to really do outside outside of like you know the lakefront and all that kind of stuff but and I also my goal is to have a get a friend with a boat because I never was able to accomplish that in Chicago so here I got to find a friend with a boat yeah it shouldn't be I don't think that should be <laughs> too difficult but uh, I want to get out and, and and do some 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 mild hiking to begin with and, but just like just explore like all of the islands and there's so much to see here it's 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 uncharted de- uh, territory for me so I'm very excited to, to do that it's crazy because I'll go places here and there's so many things that you're talking about like the the things you're talking about there's so many of them rather that like you go to Mount Rainier and hike Paradise, and then I want to go back there as soon as possible, but also there's 57 other places I want to go back right. to. So all these places I go to, then you go back after five years, and you're like, why haven't I been here? Like, this is so awesome. But right. every time I go back somewhere, I'm always like, oh, that's right. This is so dope. See, but that, isn't that amazing, though? Yeah. I mean, like, cause it's a new discovery that you rediscover, and you're like, man, I love this. Nah, I love that. And now you just, I love where I live. Yeah, it's uh, really easy for that to happen here, especially if you get outside, if you just, like, yeah. stumble out there and don't be afraid of the rain and just go experience it. I love hoodies. Brought a lot of them. Dude, you get us. That's it. (laughs) Thanks, dude. You got it. You've been listening to So You're in Seattle with Gregor. Follow him on Twitter at HeyGregor. Find more episodes online at SoYou'reInSeattle.com So You're in Seattle is a burrito butt production. Yeah, you're a good dog. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.